Hey, what up, Long Beach? We're declaring our independence from this last crazy year on this episode of the podcast that's part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. And as always, this show is brought to you by the562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardabasio, and uh, there's been a lot of important educational news for us to report on for the Long Beach Post. Uh, we do so much more than just sports coverage for them. Currently working on a big story about the recently adopted LBUSD budget as well as an ongoing contract negotiation between the district and its classified employees, which include nutrition workers, maintenance workers, and so many other people on campus. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson, not sure of my classification, but I am sure that I very much appreciate the support of Naples Rib Company, longtime sponsors of everything that we do at the 562 and everything that we've really always done in Long Beach sports. That's how deep the ties are. Uh, between Naples Rib and the Long Beach sports community. We were lucky enough to have some Naples Rib Co. earlier this week, which was delicious as always. Shout out to Dave Ursini for his continued support of everything that we do and all of the athletes around Long Beach. So get down to Naples Rib Company at some point this summer, multiple times if you can, and uh, let them know that the 562 sent you down there. Also, you know, we do have to fundraise in a lot of different ways since we are a nonprofit. We currently have a GoFundMe going this week that's going very strong um <clears throat> we're trying to get our three thousand dollar goal but guys i think we're gonna have to make some changes and then and, and dream a little bigger in the words of tom hardy in inception you mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger darling and uh, we have a big <laughs> announcement today that one of our board members uh marilyn bowl who we've talked about many times uh has agreed to match any uh donations to that gofundme through the end of the week up to ten thousand dollars um, she wants to feel the pain. So, hey guys, if you have money to get in, um, make it sting a little bit, you know, get all the way up to the 10,000. There's links on all of our social medias. Um, so thank you to everyone who's already contributed to the GoFundMe. But if you are in a position to give, uh, please help us out. And this is the week, the impact would be doubled anything that you give. And of course, all those donations will be tax deductible for you. Yeah, great job on that, Tyler. Great job on that Long Beach sports community. A lot of people out there talking about the 562.org. Please continue to spread the word and let people know what we're all about. Usually at this time of year, we would be all about deciding our top 10 countdowns for moment of the year and all that stuff. Now, we will be having our all-city episode next week where we'll let you know who our all-city athletes of the year are. Yeah, the year that lasted three months. We know, we know, it's completely different. But that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to go back and recap the last crazy 12 months and try to remember all the different emotions that the Long Beach sports community had to go through this last year. Because to be honest with you, if I'm thinking back, what was I doing, feeling, thinking in July 2020? It's a completely different roller coaster than the roller coaster we're on right now, trying to gear up for a quote unquote return to normalcy this year covering sports. But it's been a, it's been a long one. And I think at this point last year, all of us were just as asking questions that nobody in the world could possibly answer. We, we asked in podcast interviews with Andy Fee at Long Beach State, with Rob Wygod, the head of the CIF Southern section. Like, we'd get them on, and we'd just be like, so uh, what what's going to happen? <laughs> and they're like, uh, you tell us, guys. You know, I mean, I think at one point we had Andy in an interview in May expressing pretty strong confidence that we'd have women's soccer and women's volleyball in the fall because the numbers looked like they were in a better place last spring, two springs ago. 
Um, and then obviously you got into summer and it, it was becoming pretty obvious to us. Uh, let me, let me add a personal note. I said to you guys in like June, if we're not going to get sports for all or most of the upcoming year, I wish we knew now because I would resign and go do something else and then come back when things were normal, because it's just so emotionally devastating and difficult on our personal lives, but also because we know the kids so well. And seeing everything they're going through, I mean, it was just, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I need to be there for my family. This is really difficult for my kids and my wife and in my house. And then as it turned out, obviously, I mean, it was an even kind of wilder roller coaster than I think any of us, like no one had on the list of possibilities what ended up happening. No, that, it was almost like a best case scenario because there was a time there. And, and I know we talked to, to Rob about it last week on the podcast, uh, Rob Wygod, uh, CIF commissioner, you know, th- there was this strong pessimism. And even while some like, you know, the, the guys you mentioned, Andy and, and Rob were, were optimistic and were still trying, there were still, you know, the state championships were canceled. Northern California had canceled things. You know, we knew that fall sports had been canceled for the Big West. So there were still, while the optimism was sort of bubbling up of like, hey, maybe we can pull this off. Maybe if the vaccines can roll out quickly enough, we can do this. <laughs> there was also plenty of bad news that was still happening. And so you had to just try to lean. But after all we'd been through. We'd been hurt before. How could you lean towards optimism? It, you know what I mean? After all, so I think we were all kind of, we were prepared because you have to be ready and you know that news can break at any time. That's what it means to be a journalist is being constantly, you know, on your toes, um, beach on your toes and ready to, you know, react to stuff. But I think we were all pretty, you know, we were worn down like a lot of people were. We'd been having to write about all the crappy news and cancellations and we just felt like, you know, it was in that the momentum was going that way. But, you know, credit to the science, man. I mean, like, look, look at all that it's done. And, you know, now you get to see, uh, Mike, you get to see the smiles on the faces of your kids at Disneyland and all that stuff. And man, that medicine was long overdue, huh? Yeah, I would add um, that part of the frustration of last summer and into the fall, as the science was telling us the numbers were getting worse, was that the science was also painting a pretty clear picture that outdoor uh, competition and exercise was acceptable and that um, and was perfectly safe. And part of my frustration was reading these studies because that's the way I work. I mean, if this pandemic is over top of everything, I'm reading everything I can to find out about it. And then looking at these California Department of Public Health guidelines that were still saying no youth baseball no cross country meets between two teams. You know, I mean, they, the, the restrictions were so harsh that it really was like either you're not allowed to do anything athletically or you have to enter an incredibly expensive, you know, permeable bubble like the colleges ended up doing where people are testing multiple times a day. So that was part of the frustration for me was, you know, there were conserv- more conservative states not following the science, but we also, as a more liberal state, were not following a lot of the science in terms of what we could have been doing for these kids that, that we cover and, you know, in my case, that are in my family. 
yeah, it felt like we were on five different timelines. We're on the timeline, like you're saying, of the the state. We're on the local high school um, school district timeline. We're also on the Long Beach State timeline, which was NCAA sports. And then we're even trying to cover LBCC and what they did, which was basically just wipe the slate clean and just have no sports at all. So we're, we're yeah, you're right. It was frustrating to have five different expectations for five different groups of people who are all dealing with the exact same thing. And I think right now, right, right now, we all look back and it's like, it was an unprecedented time. Everyone's doing the best they could. Everyone's worried about getting sued, whatever. But you asked us to kind of like take ourselves back to that time. And what I remember for myself as, you know, we were writing obituaries for the, these kids who'd been, you know, passing away, who in a couple of their cases would have been at a basketball practice when they were shot. Um, and I just remember this enormous anger that, some of these concerns were being presented as this kind of like suburban NIMBY type of a, a thing. I was like, Oh, I want my kids to be able to go to baseball practice. I was like, youth sports are a vital, vital part of the like life pipeline to a better world for so many kids that we cover. And I just felt this huge disconnect where it's like, they're talking about wanting to keep everyone safe. I was in favor of almost all of the, you know, restrictions regarding the virus to keep everyone safe, very much as we discussed time and time again, a believer in the science regarding that. But I just felt like then there was this like, oh, well, at the human cost of what it meant to close down parks and rec facilities, schools, gyms, and the things that these kids really do depend on to just make it through their day in some of the areas that we cover. Well, and it's, it's hard, <laughs> you know, admittedly, it's very hard um, when you have such a, you know, large group of people, it's such a complicated problem. But I, you know, I hope that we kind of learned something from it. And, and I think another part of that equation that's hard to factor in was people were gonna do certain things anyway. And, and especially when it came to, to youth sports and obviously football is the most popular sport. There's, you know, the, the scholarship money and everything that goes, goes with that. And that's, you know, you talk about life-changing opportunities, getting a, a college football scholarship. You know, you can, you write that story, you know, five, 10 times a year. Um, but, you know, we saw, you were talking about different timelines, JJ. So we were out in Chino for the Loki variant of, uh, of the high school football season with the, with the club starting up. And that was, um, you know, that was interesting. You know, that's definitely one of the memories that I will keep from this pandemic was this, you know, sort of cowboy energy. You know, I had the first time that we went out there, I had no idea what to expect. But I knew that there were a lot of Long Beach kids out there and I knew that it was a story and we should be covering what people are doing during this pandemic. And, um, you know, it, it makes you realize and, and we talked about it at the time, you know, can we find a, a middle ground? Can we accept that people are going to need this and pursue this? And couldn't we do it in a safer way where it was a little bit more controlled and regulated? But there was there was that constant push and pull that that I remember. But that you know that was a weird time the club sports scene in football which was new for football you know other sports have established club presence you know volleyball soccer you know they were and they were doing their things separately as well but um but yeah what a <laughs> what a strange time to think back on and and hopefully we don't have to have any sort of rogue uh pop-up field of dreams stuff happening <laughs> anytime in the future well, you mentioned the other club stuff. The other club stuff was dealing with being in different places in the state of California. 
You've got club soccer players from Long Beach. Depending on the direction you drive to your club practice, you had it or you didn't. Those who were going to Orange County were able to practice pretty early. Those who were going towards Los Angeles and, you know, the South Bay and stuff, they, they had to wait a lot longer, including Beach FC here in Long Beach. So, yeah, everybody on a different timeline, everybody dealing with something different. But, Mike, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. The basketball, Long Beach State basketball and just men's and women's basketball in the NCAA, how much it took for them just to be able to return and then how much of a roller coaster it was for them in the season I remember sitting at my computer ready for the season opener, Long Beach State men's basketball at UCLA. And then you just get the text message. It's like, oh, no, that's that. Yeah, that's not happening. And then we had to realize, OK, we have to go from here on not expecting anything to happen until we're watching it actually happen. As Andy Fee said, I'm not going to get excited about a basketball game until I see the ball thrown up in the air for the tip off. Yeah, t- time's a flat circle and it's just UCLA canceling on Long Beach State. All the time, every time. <laughs> it's always, always a way for. for it, that to it's happened a million times. It's happened a million times before, and it'll happen a million more times <laughs> because it has to. <laughs> because it has to, and it always has, and it always will. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they, no, that that was a weird, you know, scene at the pyramid. You know, the, that's another thing that was that was our first time, like, kind of venturing outside and and working around other people. You know, and it was you know, you have the, the, the bleachers, you know, pulled up. And so it was very open in there. And we have, you know, we have video to kind of document all of this. Um, and it was, I mean, the, the security screenings and like, you couldn't move. <laughs> Mike, you remember those first games. Once you picked your spot, it was like, you got to stay. You can't, you cannot move. That's why our video was a little bit limited. Cause they were like, Hey, you, you pick your spot, you stay in your spot. Well, we, now that, now that the season's over and I feel like the statute of limitations is up. I don't think I told this story on the podcast, but literally our first game back, um, Tyler and I covering men's basketball, uh, Alex Manfredi, who we, we all know uh, was a sports writer for the daily 49er at Long Beach state, and then joined the men's basketball coaching staff. I elbow bumped with him across the, um, the divider and like three people came over and we're like, you are not allowed to do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do not, and like, we're both masked up. We're like, there was, it wasn't like a half hug. It was literally like elbows out. Like, Hey man, isn't this crazy? Like, you know, here we are. Like, we're all just going to try and figure it out. And it was like, don't do that again. Like, <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, we're social people. And these are, these are people that, like Manfredi is a good example of like, you know, it's not a, a guy that we hang out with or anything, off, you know, off work, but we, we get used to seeing him. But that's you the homie. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. It's the homie that you see around the pyramid and you just, you say, what's up. And, and we made adjustments. We didn't, you know, we didn't dap him up. It was like, you know, we, we tried to keep our as much distance as possible, but it was, yeah, everyone was on high alert and I completely understand. And those were rules that were set by other people. And that's right. always the hardest thing when you're enforcing rules that you didn't imp- decide on or, you know, or implement for yourself, you just have to say, well, this is what we've been told by the health department and we don't want to risk screwing up the season. And we totally understand that. But some of the things caught you off guard of like, oh, this, oh, okay. I, I guess I get why this isn't allowed, but also, eh, come on, this is weird. <laughs> I, I think what you just said, which is always the weirdest, hardest thing, that was just the way that it was everywhere. Long Beach State was like, we're, this is what the health department told us we're doing. The health department's like, this is what the CDPH said we're doing. The CDPH is like, this is what the CDC guidelines say. Down to the school district and coaches, individual administrators, 
I think everyone was feeling, and I am, I'm certainly like, don't, I'm not like complaining that they stopped us from elbow bumping. Like, Oh no, no, no. It's just like a funny interaction. Yeah. But there was this insane downward pressure to where the people lowest on the chain of command felt the weight of everything all the way up to the federal government sort of telling them you have to enforce this or we're taking this away from the kids or you're going to get fired or sued or whatever. And it, it was like those first games at the collegiate level, as well as the first things we covered in high school, which was like cross country meets, there, everyone was so anxious about messing one of those things up um, that it's really hard to look back and remember, like it was just a couple months before we were at Blair field with 2000 people for a baseball championship game. I mean, it really like, I, I, I will remember the pandemic in stages. There was that craziness of the shutting down. There was the frustration and the panic and, and everything else over sort of the long shutdown. But the, that reopening, there was so much anxiety um, mixed in with that uncertainty that um, I, you know, schedules, we all talked about it. Our schedule, we might have an unexpected game schedule change once a season, right? Where someone's like, uh, hey, the soccer game got moved to five on the day before, like really sorry. And that just because of cancellations over COVID, because of field availability, because of ref availability, all of a sudden, like when stuff started opening up, it was like three or four times a week that it was like, yeah, this is not happening. Or the, I think JJ had two or three weeks in a row, the football game he was going to cover, you know, got canceled like the day before the game. I mean, it's just stuff, stuff we've never, ever seen or dealt with before. The, the kids have never seen or dealt with before. But, but yeah. it was different when we came back, though, because we had seen it on television. We had seen the NBA bubble and everything that it, that you know, entailed and everything. And so we kind of I, for me, I kind of expected it to feel the same. Right. A little bit different. But, hey, we're out here. We're playing sports. It's fine. Let's go. But the eeriness of covering a basketball game in an empty Walter pyramid with like that repetitive crowd noise. I hate crowd noise, by the way. I think I've said that before on this. You hate fake crowd, crowd noise. Yeah, you love real crowd noise. Piped it, okay. Piped in crowd noise. There you go. Yeah, pipe it up. Pipe it up. I don't. I don't want. I don't want that. I don't need that. I know that there's nobody in the building. You're not going to be able to trick me with some uh, with some audio to 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 think that there's actually like energy in the building. No one's going to be able to hear that on television. Like when we were watching it on the um in for the NBA playoffs, it was still annoying. You know what I mean? Like uh, when the EPL came back. And they were like doing crowd chants on parts of the game where it wouldn't make any sense. Like those types of things I will never forget because hopefully we're never going to have to do them again. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. One, one thing I wanted to quickly throw in, Mike, you were mentioning like the, the sort of the stages of the pandemic. There's the first, when that first started happening, which is kind of like right when I got this job actually, but the first week where it was like, hey, are things shutting down? Like, should we hoard stuff? That feeling was captured super well in this TV show as an HBO show called How To with John Wilson. And the ser it's sort of a random TV recommendation. It's a very weird show. But the, the season one finale really does a great job of capturing that sort of hysteria and concern of when the fan pandemic first hit. It was totally unexpected. They were just filming the show and it just sort of crossed paths with what they were doing. So if you have an interest in kind of dipping your toe back in the pool and being like, what did that feel like? Go watch how to with John Wilson, the season finale. But, um, but anyway, yeah, it's uh it's great that we have so many memories to kind of pull through <laughs> from 
we thought we were going to have nothing and we got a lot. <laughs> Long Beach had a great uh, athletic year and it really started. I mean, cross country were the first events, but I think the first thing that was really like, oh my gosh, this is special was that Polly Sarah football game. And you guys were there. So, I mean, we got to, let's relive that. That was emotional. It was exciting. It was, you know, everyone in town was talking about it. So, I mean, bring, bring it back. How was that boys? Well, we, we pulled the Chris Trevino. We showed up like two hours early just to, just to stand <laughs> on the sideline and soak it all up. <laughs> well said. Yes. Um, I, I don't know, man. It, it was, uh, it was, it, the emotions were running really high. I mean, it, it just, I think the number one thing for me, anytime we did something for the first time was that I felt what I enjoy about our job was I kind of got to feel myself disappear a little bit. Um, we've had, we'd had so many emotions as we discussed that then when you get back to being able to cover kids and the joy was just so high among all these kids at getting to do something for the first time that you just sort of forgot about all your own stuff and you got to just point the camera, point the recorder and just, you know, enjoy. Yeah. The, that moment when they all ran out on the field, uh, obviously very separate, <laughs> making sure that nobody was uh, was running through a sign or anything. But yeah, but that moment when they ran out on the field and I was worried about uh, getting the, the shot, right? When we're out there doing the highlights, we kind of plan in our head what we want, what we want it to look like and all that stuff. You're right, Mike. I did feel like uh, I, I disappeared and I kind of just let the thing do the thing. You know, right. as opposed to like forcing it and making it be something, you know, trying to make it look exciting or whatever you want to say. Uh, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was a, a great moment, of a reminder. I, I also remember very specifically being on the sideline after the game and not wanting to leave. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it was such an incredible game and an incredible finish. Long Beach Poly winning in the last minutes. Um, but it was uh, yeah, it was like that that sense of community. We didn't want to let it go. It had been so long since we had tasted it, and then we had it, and we were just like, okay, let's just hang out here as long as possible and talk to Stephen Barbie. <laughs> I think I think the other thing that I would add, by the way, about that game in particular was, um, you know, we had had the club experience of covering those club football games, which which quite a few of the poly kids were doing. And so we were connected with some of the stuff they'd been going through in their personal lives. And so – I just remember, I mean, the emotions were so high on that team because a lot of them had lost parents, um, parents who were going through struggles with cancer, parents who had passed away after very long struggles with cancer. Um, and none of them believed that they were going to get a senior season. Not one of them was like, oh yeah, for sure. I was, I would definitely knew we were going to play like, and so that's what JJ said, like, that's what you were savoring was it felt it was both really individually significant to these kids in ways that we knew, like, I miss it, you know, I mean, anyone who's lost a family member been through something serious in their personal life, you know, if there's something fun you can do that takes your mind off that it's like, it's more valuable than gold. But as valuable as it was to those individual kids, you also felt the light at the end of the tunnel for the first time of Oh my God, if they're letting these kids play high school football, most things are less contacty than high school football, right? And so it was the first time you you saw that individual stuff for the kids, but you also had that feeling that, okay, maybe we are going to make it through this. Maybe it isn't going to be, you know, because at some point, some of the administrators we talked to locally were like, I don't know if we're ever going to get high school sports back. The insurance on this stuff has already been skyrocketing to the point that it's increasingly more expensive to do. And there, we didn't know whether the parents were going to push back or, you know what I mean? Like you just really didn't know is that is everyone who really wants to play 
uh, sports going to go to a private school and publics are just not going to get this stuff back. Like no one knew. And in that game, like I said, so happy individually for those kids and the coaches. And then on the larger sense as well, just this big sigh of relief, like, okay, this is possible to move on from this uh, horrible period. And that, and it really laid the groundwork, right? For And we, we were talking about that. It's like, if football can kind of go well, if we can get through the football season, not have any major, you know, and we lost games, you know, there were plenty of games. We, we didn't get to see Polly play Wilson. We didn't get to see Lakewood play Milliken. You know what I mean? Those would have been really exciting, good rivalry games, but largely we got a full, you know, league season um, plus a couple extra games. And then, you know, that, that sort of set the stage for the, for the rest of the, of the calendar to kind of fill through into a busy spring. And we're obviously very grateful that, that it played out that way because we ended up getting a lot of, a lot of history really after, um, after that football season was able to get off the ground and, and, and Polly had the undefeated season and, you know, Milliken had a really strong year, um, you know, wish we could have seen them against more league teams, but, um, but yeah. And then, and then it carried on to really a successful wild, <laughs> wild spring season. I mean, we're, I know we're still kind of recovering from all the, all the coverage that we were doing and hope that we don't have to be that busy ever again. <laughs> well, yeah. And it was a different kind of busy, obviously. And we'll, we'll talk about that, but there was also a different kind of competition going on. There were so many interviews I did with uh, coaches for the previews. We wanted to make sure that everybody got a preview, even if they weren't as extensive, we wanted to make sure everybody got some shine. And so many coaches at that time, right after football had started again, were just saying, we're out here. That is what it is. That's the thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to cut anybody from this team. I'm going to play the seniors a little bit more. Maybe it's not going to be my best lineup on the field, but there's kids here who deserve it and who need it and who earned it. And I'm going to give it to him. And that was re- I th- was really important. I wrote a couple of stories about it. I did a column about it. I thought it was really important that adjusted expectations were met with adjusted expectations and not judgment. They, there was an importance in the sport and the community, not the final score. And, you know, all that other stuff that comes with high school sports where a lot of the times, you know, the three of us will be like, man, that coach or that player or that parent is taking this way too seriously. Like it's high school sports, calm down. And I think that this, this pandemic and the whole, those months of the, will they, won't they specifically in January and February, where I think a lot of people were, you know, kind of reevaluating what was important to them. Those expectations in high school sports, I think have really held strong through the whole year. I don't know what next year is going to look like that return to normalcy might bring more crazy parents. Hey, that's fine. We've dealt with it before, but it was really nice to not have to deal with it for a while and have people appreciate the value of high school sports in that we're here to make great men and women of the future, not, you know, college sports athletes. Yeah, you're, you're right. The, the gratitude and the humility was nice um, it, as, as short as it may have lasted, but yeah, those, those signs are up at every little league field for a reason, JJ, you know what I mean? You gotta keep the, uh, <laughs> You got to keep the sharks at bay the best you can, but, uh, but no, I think, you know, and I was texting with coaches, you know, kind of going into the year when sports actually did start up and I was telling them like, I really hope no one gets fired after this COVID year. You know what I mean? It's just after, I know the expectations, especially at the college level and at the major conferences, but it's just like, this is not (laughs) normal. You know, everyone's going through a lot right now. And, and, and as it's, it's weird because we, in both ways, we saw the importance of sports and the insignificance at the same time, if that makes sense. We saw how vitally important it was to provide opportunity, to provide an escape. But at the same time, 
the wins losses part of it became so much less important because you're like, ultimately there's a lot of people going through some trauma right now. You know what I mean? And we just want to give them the opportunity to play and, uh, and have some fun. And so it was a, a bit of a reset as far as the priorities went. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if Long Beach is out there competing, they're going to bring home some championships. That's just, that's just what we do. That is just what we do. Covering multiple sports every day was also a brand new experience for all of us. And when I say multiple sports, I mean, obviously like, for example, coming up here in the fall, you know, there, there will possibly be a day where you cover a volleyball game and also a football game. But we had never had times where we were covering cross country, football, and then obviously like basketball and soccer all in one day. And that was odd. This is very strange. I mean, covering like sports in general, you get into a rhythm, right? Like you get into a rhythm of the schedule, you get into a rhythm of, okay, so in the fall, you know, you go to practice on Tuesday, you're at a feature on Wednesday, you're doing a preview on Thursday, you cover the game on Friday, and then that just kind of repeats. And we never got that this year. It was all up in the air all the time. Make sure you call the coach the day of the game because it might have got canceled or moved. Like all those scheduling stuff that we usually make sure we do so that the community knows what happens, not only just for us, but like to, to tell everybody when and where things are happening. That was just a non-possibility. I think like when you talk about multi-sport athletes, you you discount some multi-sport athletes a little bit, right? Like if you're doing uh, water polo and swim, if you're doing cross country and track, beach volleyball and volleyball to a certain extent, it's like they're complementary, right? I think as sports writers, you discount your multi-sport things. Like you go from a soccer game to a basketball game. Like, yeah, we it, it's hard to do it. So we want to you want a little credit from each other, but we do that. That's part of the thing. Covering a baseball and a football game on the same day, that is like playing baseball and football. Like, do you know what I mean? It's a little bit more unique. It's not something we have a lot of experience doing. And yeah, I think we all had just a ton of firsts and hopefully only times <laughs> that we're going to do something, uh, including, you know, when you're covering games, you got into the, the playoffs and, and so if someone would be on the road, you'd have to figure out like, I mean, we got told we weren't allowed to cover a Milliken football game at Los Al because it was like, oh, Los Al's not letting media in. You know, I mean, there just was there was like so many weird things going on as part of our job. Uh, we're not playing that stuff. Yeah, yes. Um, we're not. We don't play that stuff up during the year. Obviously, we're trying to keep the focus on the kids. But it is like for the three of us. I mean, I I I made this comment to another friend recently. Normally, we all would end up with like. 50 lanyards and passes for things right because you just cover stuff and you get random passes like i got one i got this <laughs> baseball championship but everywhere else was like i can't hand you anything we you didn't know what i mean we're not we, doing credentials like that we didn't even get our long beach state passes this year because you had right. to go there get an app <laughs> on your phone fill out a health screening thing like there were more things to do each time you showed up let alone just asking for a pass which by the way there was like all this stuff on the health screening that was like various things, you know, it was like a lot of stuff that didn't even feel like COVID related, you know, where it's just like, have you had diarrhea in the last 24 hours? It's just like, so I, okay. So God forbid I eat chili the day before I want to cover a Long Beach Bay game. I just can't, you know what I mean? Like not to get too intense or whatever, but you know, I had a little too much ice cream and now we can't cover the basketball game. I'm just saying it. I thought about it. It was like, it was kind of silly. It's like, I'm pretty sure this isn't related to me having any health concerns, but ultimately, I mean, 
your boy has had a rough morning or whatever, you know? Yeah, well, th- that's not just not us, right? Like, <laughs> if you're traveling at all, everything at that time was completely up in the air. There were so many horror stories from coaches who were like, well, our JV game is away at this team. So each parent has to fill out this paperwork and each kid gets one parent at the game. But our varsity game is home this week. So we have to take the paperwork from the visiting team. Like the amount of paperwork that the coaches did is insane. And that's a perfect uh, segue to talking about the amount of work that these high school administrators did over the last few months to make sure that these kids got those sports and all the activities, not, you know, not just sports, but like all the activities on campus and everything that they could possibly do virtually and everything like the teachers and the administrators and the people who work at the school district really did as well as they possibly could over the last few months to make sure that schools had moments. Cause that's what high school is, right? It's a collection of great moments that kind of shape you. I, th- I think one of the things that was so special as we start talking about the end of the year was because there were not host sites, you know, what we call neutral venues where like uh, for, for CIF championship games, like the baseball championships would normally be played at Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium, whatever. Um, we got to see CIF championships happening on the campuses for these kids. And it just so happened to work out to where did any long, no Long Beach teams play the CIF championship on the road, right? Even the Millican wrestling team that was the only team that lost, they were at home. Yeah. Well, so, the, tra- the, um, the track teams were at Tribuco Hills, but that's an individual sport. So I could see why. So yeah, any of the <laughs> competitions all happened at host sites. You're right, Mike. Um, Although track the baseball, and field the first... was, that was technically a neutral site. Yes. You know, for hey, big, big, shouts, big shouts to PJ Jefferson for putting that thing to rest. A historic day for Wilson boys track. Didn't even know. <laughs> um, he knew when it was time to celebrate he knows when it's money time. the there. neutral site for for track and field which was the first neutral site of this cif season aside the millican tennis and wrestling teams played championships on campus um the millican tennis team won the millican baseball team played at blair which was a neutral site but is you know obviously where they would normally come play on, their games come on. Come um the the poly basketball team girls basketball team hosted CIF championship and a CIF state SoCal regional championship game. The Wilson boys volleyball team got to play at home. Uh, I mean, it just was like really cool to me. It was an extra level than if they just won a CIF championship at Cerritos college, that would have been really cool. But to see them on the campus where again, most of these kids were like, are we going to get to go back to school here or not? That really like added something to me. And also it's fair to point out that was not the result of like, oh, because they were the number one seed or whatever, they could have been on the road. It just ended up. And obviously we were very lucky <laughs> and appreciative that that happened that way, that all those teams just happened to be at home, you know, because those are coin flips and, you know, the result of, you know, other the team you're playing, how many home games they had. So it just really worked out that way. And that's kind of what made it feel like a special meant to be kind of year, especially like, you know, for the Wilson boys volleyball team who was undefeated through their CIF championship and had only lost what two, 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 two sets, right. Going into the championship game. And then they lost one to St. Francis, but um, literally. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) but just those cool scenes, you know, Carl bugs raising a CIF plaque, in the Ron Palmer Pavilion after his his daughter Kalea just had the game of her life of many people's lives, you know, just uh, setting a school record. I mean, just so, I mean, you, you get goosebumps even just thinking back on it and it didn't happen that long ago. <laughs> 
I, I remember doing a podcast. I think it was September of last year doing a podcast and we were talking about professional sports and how no one was going to be able to take away the championships that were about to be handed out to the baseball and the basketball teams of our nation. Nobody, because everybody was dealing with the exact same thing. Was it different? Yes. Was it hopefully never going to be something that we had to do again? Yes, absolutely. But if you competed for a championship and won that championship, that was a championship, no asterisks, no nothing about that. So, it was the same thing coming around for high school sports in the spring. We knew that there was going to be a very short season, maybe playoffs, hopefully, fingers crossed and all that stuff, and then the championships. No one's going to be able to take away those championships because they almost mean a little bit more. And I say that because I feel like a school like Milliken, with the spring that they had and the success that they had, like nobody's ever going to be able to take that away from them. And it's almost as if it or it's worth more or felt like it's worth more because of how much they had to go through to be able to get it. So like, you know what I mean? If there's a, if there's a way to look at this as a positive, anybody who had success over the last few months should really take pride in that success. We mentioned it on last week's show, but, uh, part of that crazy schedule and all the amazing things we got to cover was we worked harder than we have ever worked uh, before over the last year. We did more than a thousand stories um, <laughs> during the last school year, just in the last three months, we covered, uh, you know, I, I think it was close to 300 games. Um, we had more than 600 stories in the last three months, more than a hundred videos, more than a hundred photo galleries. We want to make sure we're around to do that for a more normal school year um, coming up and we'd like to be around to do it for years and years and decades after that so please do hit up the 562's uh, social channels click on that GoFundMe link um, and donate you know whatever you can if that's a dollar thank you so much if it's a hundred dollars thank you so much whatever you can do um, this is one of the ways that we try and and bring in enough revenue um, to be able to keep our doors open so go hit that GoFundMe up to celebrate the end of the school year and try and make sure that we'll be back for next year Yes, please support nonprofit journalism in the same way that our loyal sponsors have done. Thank you again to Naples Rib Company and also shout out to Ocean Law Center for their support of local sports coverage. Visit OceanLawCenter.com for a list of services that they provide. This wraps up another episode of What Up Long Beach. We will be back next week to talk about our all-city award winners, the best athletes in every sport. So be sure to tune in to that episode. And before you do, make sure you are subscribed to What Up Long Beach. Rate the podcast. We think it's five stars. And we will talk to you soon, Long Beach. Peace.